Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Hello everyone. This is your host CJ and you're about to listen to an excellent conversation that I had with Danny Vega. But before that, on the day of the recording, we had some technical issues that resulted in a little bit lower quality audio just in the beginning of this podcast. So the rest of the podcast is okay, but my apologies due to some internet fluctuations, we couldn't record the highest quality audio. But nevertheless, the content is a game changer. So I would like to welcome everyone. Please enjoy. Have fun. Notice a pattern in our human behavior. Talks to us about something positive, like eating better, moving more, or doing things like that. They are able to grab our attention, but just for a little bit, because then what we tend to do is lose our attention as our left brain gets activated, and we look at this some kind of judgment. And I hate to break it to you guys; it's unfortunate, but all of us have that biological pattern. And then. If the physical characteristics of the person that is putting these ideas in your head doesn't match your idea of a character, then you simply start ignoring the uh, advice. And what happens is, if a person who's telling you to do something different and he's living or he's a live example of what he's preaching, perhaps then everyone starts listening to them even more. So this is why. You know that I can go to extreme distances to find you someone caliber who can teach you about great things that they incorporate in their life. And this search has taken me all the way from Dubai to Florida, where I have found a special person. My guest on the show today is special. He studied political science at the Columbia University. He has a master's degree in science and human from the University of Florida. He has had many roles in his life: an athlete, a student, an influencer, and most importantly, a father. Danny Vega, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, brother. Thanks, like I said, thanks for your patience uh, with all the stuff that that went on in the last twenty-four hours with my wife traveling. Uh, just mm-hmm. the nonsense that people are experiencing nowadays, and uh, it's a sad world we live in. But you know, you just have to live your life as a free human being. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work out, but you know we don't get caught up in the despair. And and luckily she's home safe now, and we're good. So thanks yeah, for having touch me. Yeah, Touchwood, touch um, ple- it's my pleasure to have you. And while we're on this, um, are you comfortable sharing with what happened uh, with others? So kind of like they get, you know, everyone puts their masks up and things like that, so we can put out the information. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my wife was in Utah for the weekend for uh, a big launch event. My wife is an executive at. Uh, an athleisure company that's launching in September. <clears throat> it's been a great blessing in our lives, and uh, she had a great weekend. But she was dead tired. You know, at 6 p.m. yesterday, she texted me. She's like, "I'm just gonna sleep all night. I can't wait to get home." So she flew from Utah to Dallas, and she was supposed to leave Dallas like at nine and get here like at midnight or something like that. And and then the flight was delayed, so she was boarding at 11 p.m. and she had her mask under her nose. As she was getting on, mind you, her her bags are checked already. She checked her bags in Utah. So her bags are going to Tampa no matter what. 
And um, the the captain was actually the person that came up to her and said something like, are you having a hard time putting up your mask? And she said, no. And so they basically kicked her off right there. She, she called me right there and she, and she basically had her phone so I could listen to everything. And the woman, no one, no one defended her. No one said anything. And there was a woman right next to her with her mask down under her nose as well. As, as you know, honestly, every, no one should be wearing a mask anymore. Like I, I just got, was on a, a podcast, you know, I know you're in Dubai. Uh, I was on a podcast mm-hmm. with some guys from Lebanon and, you know, I was, I was joking with them because like you go to Egypt and like, you know, there was a guy who was in Egypt and he was, he was upset that, you know, uh, no one was wearing a mask and he was a guy from the United States and he was asking everybody like, why, you know, why don't you guys have masks on? And the guys, you know, like, they're just like, you know, they're like, we're good brother. She's like, they're like, well, God takes care of us. We're good. You know? And he was just like, so upset about that and so scared. And it's like, you know, we, this country, we claim to be this Christian country and people don't even have faith in God to that, that they're not going to kill their brother or their sister by, by breathing on them. And, you know, people are waiting for, for somebody else to tell them that it's okay to breathe oxygen that God gave us, you know? And so um, we're in this situation because the majority of people you talk to don't want to wear a mask. They think it's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, for, for all of history, mm-hmm. the data is very clear that masks don't work. And all of a sudden that changed last year and you got to see like the way things changed has changed in Wikipedia, the way they changed the name of, of, of herd immunity from, you know, a, a population, enough of a population contracting a virus and getting that immunity. They changed that to like immunity from uh, by by getting the jab. You know, we're not going to say too many things because I don't want you to get kicked off, but, mm, yeah. you, you know. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bad situation and, you know, more people need to just say no. Um, and but mm-hmm. but they don't, you know, they're they're so conditioned and and it's it's un, it's it's uh, it's a sad world because it's there are so many lies, like you said, and there's so many things that people just believe they're too lazy to, to think about stuff. And so mm-hmm. they'd rather just say, you know what? I don't need to think about this. I'm not a, I'm not an expert. Let me just trust what the experts say. What well, the experts have been lying to you and they've been getting things wrong for a very long time. And you can just, you know, when it comes to education, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to healthcare, when it it's comes in our to history. everything, you can, yeah. you can go back in history and check all of those boxes. None of the times, most of the people have been right. <clears throat> yeah. And it's our yeah, blind if you, you know, so if mo- when, when most of the people agree. Yeah. I think it was Mark Twain that said something like, if you know, if you agree with most people, then you're probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay, so I'm glad Fez back home and sorry for all the trouble that, uh, you know, the airline or the crew, they cost you. And uh, yeah, this also reminds me of um, this year, I've been fortunate enough to travel. And I went to Zanzibar, in, uh, which is in Tanzania, <sighs> Africa, yeah. in February. Yeah. And as soon as I got the aircrafts, like I had my mask on, right? Because we were all wearing masks all the time. And I get off the aircraft yeah. and I get it into like the airboat, like the pickup area where you have all these people waiting for the boards and stuff. And none of them were wearing masks. So I had my GoPro on because I was trying to shoot it. And I was like, wait, am I seeing wrong through my GoPro? But no, no one was wearing masks. And all the time that I was in Zanzibar, I think I was there for five days, like literally their government just told them that, hey, this thing, we're stronger than this. And this doesn't really wow. mess around with us. So let's not wear it. Fast forward two months, two or three months, um, I went to Ukraine last month. And um, same thing, man. If you're in the mall or somewhere where you have like a crowd of people, you probably have to wear a mask. But anywhere else, 
Like there were no masks in the gym, and like it, it was very chill out. It was a breath of fresh air to get out and see world as normal. So I can't wait till more people start realizing this, and I think there will be more people that will wake up to this. When I'm not sure, but hopefully soon. But anyway, well, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I'll, I'll say one more thing is that like you know I think everyone who's listening to this, wherever you are in the world, especially if you're in the West. You need to start questioning everything that they tell you about who you should hate and what country we shouldn't hate and what people we should hate. Doing what they don't like is who we hate. So we're, yeah, we're supposed to hate all these countries who, who haven't done anything wrong. We're supposed to hate Syria, supposed to say, hate the, the, you know, a guy who is a children's doctor. They're trying to make him out to be a, a, a criminal saying that he gassed his own people and he did all that when he, there's no, I have no evidence of that. Anyways, I don't want to get too political, but it's just, just question what you're told because at this point I'm, I'm at the point where I'm just like, if they're telling me to, to not like something or to, to not look into something, I'm going to look into it because there's probably something there. <laughs> so you've always been into nutrition and fitness, even when you were a kid, am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think even when I was a little kid. To be a strong man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I always tell that story when I was like, you know, five years old, I have a little paper that it, it says like, you know, my name is Danny, my favorite color is this. And it said, when I grow up, I said, I wanted to be a strong man. I didn't know what a strong man was like, like actual strong man competition. I just wanted to be a strong man. <laughs> and that's all I, that's yeah. all I loved it since I was a little kid. Yeah. I think, I think most of us get that feeling when we're like above 10, 12 and you know, some hormones are changing and you look at the strong guys and you're like, I want to be strong at that guy. Yeah, so I'm yeah. glad you had it pretty early. Yeah. But what, my question to you is like, what is your definition of fitness? Because, you know, yeah, we have the world is in different camps right now. So you've got like strength, you've got bodybuilding, you have CrossFit and much more. So what does fitness look like to you? Or what's your understanding of fitness? Yeah. So like, uh, you know, yesterday I was with someone who's uh, he's 17 years old. He's like six, one and a half. You know, the guy's going to be really, really tall and he's a, a rower. He, he, he competes in crew. And I'm telling him what I at 40 years old would have liked to know at that age, because, you know, he's at such a young age and and there's all these different you're getting information from all these different directions and you don't know who to believe it's just it, we have a different problem than before where before it's hard to find anything now you have too much information you have to figure out what's real what's not real and i think that you know fitness has to be um whether whether it's a skill in a specific um because there are several sports and several activities that that involve a lot of skill and i think that's important you know obviously you can't be good at your sport if you don't have the skill you have to develop the skill um, but there's also another factor that's very important is you need to have functional strength and you, to, you need to consider everything that, and consider that your body uh, moves as a kinetic chain and it's not just, you know, muscles, you, you, you can't look at it that way. And so I, I say that because, you know, I've done a lot of different things. I played college football. I was a sprinter. You know, I did, I competed in indoor rowing. I've done capoeira. I've done Muay Thai. I've done jujitsu. I've done a lot of different things. CrossFit. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> like, you Thank know, you there's are. lots. Of, I love to do a lot of these different things, and a lot of them are very different from each other. But what you find is if you, um, I think fitness needs to have a component of athleticism to where you're able to move in different directions. You're not just stuck in the sagittal plane, which the sagittal plane is just this way. So anything that you do in the weight room, unless it's like a functional movement, is going to be in the sagittal plane. Squat, bench, deadlifts, sagittal plane. 
but you know, moving in the frontal plane, moving in the transverse plane, uh, being able to have good hip mobility, good knee mobility, having a spine that can move, uh, you know, independently and, and, and my spine, for example, I'm, I'm working on my knee mobility right now, my ankle mobility, my hip mobility, because of all those years of deadlifting, you know, 700 pounds and squatting all this weight in powerlifting. And, and so I think fitness, you know, you want to ha- you need to have strength. Um, and so at some point or another, you know, there needs to be some sort of um, uh, resistance training. Now, resistance training doesn't have to involve weights, you know, you can do body weight stuff, you know, uh, you can do pull ups, squats, deadlifts, uh, or pull ups, squats, you know, push ups, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you need to have a component where you're building muscle because that's what's going to strengthen your bones. That's what's going to give you uh, the most bang for your buck from a, a hormonal level. And then you need to have mobility and it needs to be mobility that's not dependent on an external factor. So like, you know, if you're doing static stretching where you're using something to pull yourself into position, that's good and everything. But you need to be able to go through the range of motion dynamically um, and and really if you're if you're competing in something, you, there needs to be a level of specificity. So, um, so I think you know ha- having the ability to have check all those boxes: mobility, um, you know, athleticism, strength, and then of course you need to also be really considering like your longevity and your health. That has to be a, a component. Get to the higher levels of skill in a specific sport. The more and more specialized you get the less it's going to be about overall health and longevity because you, you sacrifice that with certain things like high-level powerlifters, high-level strongmen, high-level gymnastics, high-level cheerleaders. You know, you, 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 you can have really bad concussions and things like that. So, but that being said, there's going to be a sacrifice of, of, of health sometimes, you, but you have to have a way to minimize the damage that's done. And then you need to be able to take care of yourself and realize that there's a life that comes after the sport and and you need to change with the time so like my buddy ben pakowski says like when you're when you're 20 you train with your balls and when you're 40 you train with your brain uh, <laughs> and it makes sense you know like i would love for more people to train with their brain at 20 um you you might sacrifice the gains a short-term level in some cases but over time you're, you're going to be better off to have you're going to you should be able to be an athlete in your 50s and 60s you should be able to still sprint and jump and and do things like that and and not just hang up your cleats and say i'm done it's time to play shuffleboard you know you need to be able to, to play yeah. you know to be that's 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 a, a measurement that we don't look at for for health and longevity and we should because i think one of the other reasons is because the our environment or you know things that get sold on and things like that are just like hey you have to go to the gym and just lift some weights and then you know if you don't do these if you do these other things you're you'll lose your gains bro and things like that but i (laughs) i love that you mentioned the part about longevity because lifting i've been doing crossfit for some time i've never done powerlifting but you know tried to do max deadlifts bench press squats yeah there's a strength component it does take away a lot from you because you want to increase your conditioning, you want to increase your fitness, you want to increase your stamina. And all of these things aren't really natural, right? When you look at our ancestors, they weren't really lifting all these weights and like running around. They were just low-level physical activity, you know, spread yeah. throughout the day, just chilling and walking. You see all the blue zones and you see all these 
people who are sanitarians and living over 100 and none of them go to the gym. But what they do is like, you know, move around all day. And yeah, there's another component to that as well of what you eat. Because often what I find is a lot of people will train, train, train so they can get away with shitty food. And, you know, they just train to eat. And we know that you can never out train that, like, you know, you can never out out eat a training or things like that. So this brings me to my next question. What kind of a diet do you want? Because we know that food and nutrition is another big pillar, which a lot of people are missing. But I know that you've advocated for keto for a very long time, but now I see you eat a lot of meat. So tell me about your journey. Are you transitioning into carnivore? Are you already carnivore now? What's up? Yeah, I, I was I was only like I was only on a ketogenic diet from 2016 to 2017, August. And in August, I was a pretty early adopter of the carnivore diet. Um, it just it just so many things happened at the same time. We we had the ketogenic athlete podcast. My co-host said, "Hey, uh, he had just had Amber O'Hearn on um, on his podcast, and she's one of the you know carnivore you know OGs. And he also had um, Dr. Georgia Ede on his podcast. And and he's like, you know what? I think I want to just do an experiment where this month all I eat is anything from a cow and salmon. So like any any cut of of beef, any organ from a cow, and then salmon. And I was like, you know what? I want to try that with you. And we tried it." And then from August and September on, I was I was strict strict carnivore for over a year uh, until uh, 2018. So like 2017 through 2018, and then I kind of started to like look at different um, approaches. I I always do a lot of experimentation, and I did a, a ton of experiments throughout those years. Like um, 2018 and 2019, I did carb ups. I did a period in the summer, and I was doing all these things and. I've learned so much and, and now I'm back where I'm, I'm at a pretty much most of the time is just mostly just meat. And then I'll have a keto brick at night, which is just my buddy's company. It's like a, it's like this thousand calorie shelf stable fat bomb that it's like, you know, um, MCT powder with, um, cacao butter and, and a few different things. And it's like, it's like 90 grams of fat, 30 grams of protein, and then like 10 carbs. Um, and and so I I like that because the only thing that I don't love about there's a few things that that I have to watch out personally with carnivore is that in the summer I'm I'm a little bit I have two a few um, mutations that that make me a little bit more prone to to um, uh, cramps and in the summer I have to really be careful with my hydration and so um, that's why in the summer it was when I would do my carb ups. This year, I've only done one carb up and it was like 150 grams. Uh, I was just feeling beat up. I was doing like three different things with training and I was just beat up and it, and it just, it felt really good to just do that one day and I listened to my body. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the other reason why I do meat and bricks is because I love food. And so like for me to just eat meat, it gets boring as good as it feels. I, you know, I also get pleasure from eating food and, and eating that keto brick gives me like it scratches that itch for something different. So I could eat, you know, a typical day for me now is, is pretty much I'll have like a pound of for my first meal and then like a pound of brisket for my second meal and then I'll have a keto brick. And so that'll be like right around 30, like 3,000 to 3,500 calories right now. Super mm -hmm. simple. Uh, today is a little bit different. I, 
you know, because of everything that went on, um, I'm not going to eat until later on. And I'm doing, uh, I took out a bison um, short ribs. So I'm going to do uh, bison short ribs tonight because my buddy Jake and I, Jake's a, a pro wrestler. He's really funny. If you guys uh, follow him, real Jake Ager. And, um, and we're doing like this three-week competition where we, every week we, we compete on like who's going to cook it better. So last week we did nice. ground beef or ground bison. Um, and I think he beat me. I don't know what the results are, but uh, you know, he made like these amazing bison meatball sub and I made, I made just ground, I made bison burgers. Um, and we're doing short rib tonight. So I keep it pretty simple. I think a simple menu, especially if you're trying to lean out because there's something called sensory specific satiety. And that is basically, um, it relies on the monotony effect. You know, when you eat the same thing, your risk of, of overeating goes way down. It's the reason why animals, you never see an obese animal because they have a short list of foods that they eat every day. Uh, but humans, we have these big old brains. We know how to process food and make it edible and, and we can eat all types of variety. And that's when we introduce food science and we have all these things that make foods hyper palatable and then it makes us want to eat more. So the simpler you keep it, the less of a stress your diet is going to be on your day, the less you have to think. The more you have to think, the more chance you run of, of you know, getting um, decision fatigue. And then, you know, sometimes if you're, if you're too tight on yourself and you're, you're following macros that are, uh, that are too restrictive, you always overeat because your, your, um, your willpower leaves you by the end of the day. And then that's when you always make a mistake when you could have just eaten a little bit more and you could have stayed within more sensible macros and then you wouldn't have overeaten. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love everything that you've said. And it kind of rings a bell for so many things for me. Like I tried the carnivore diet about two and a half. Um, well, basically it was in 2019 when um, we were all stuck at home and there was not much um, that we didn't have much time to go out in Dubai. It was just like two hours per day, two to three hours. And then I would just run off to the supermarket and I was like, okay, I'm home. So let me just try out this carnivore diet. I lasted for two weeks. I was, I've been doing keto for like four years now and two weeks because I wasn't able to source any organ meats. And then I couldn't, because of the short supply, grass fed meat wasn't really available. And then I was, I'm not like you, unlike you, I'm not a big fan of cooking. So I was just doing the most basic things. So just getting some steak just you know putting some salt and pepper on it doing <laughs> a lot of things and i got bored after some time but yeah. i also realized that your satiety like after like towards the evening i didn't even feel like eating i was even under calories and this is one of the other problems that you address it perfectly and it also comes on the carnivore diet because your satiation from the meat or the protein let's say gets so high and then you don't feel like eating anything and at the end of the day, if you're trying to build muscle or you're trying to like gain weight, it is a problem because you will eventually be in a deficit. You might yeah. have a lot of amino acids circulating in your bloodstream, but you will be at a deficit. And this is what led me to looking into keto bricks. So I was about to travel to US and that got canceled. And I, was, I got in touch with the company saying that, hey, can I find you guys at Whole Foods or can I just walk in somewhere and get it? And they were like, no, we don't do that, but we can deliver it to you, but it would just take some time. Anyways, I didn't end up going there, but I looked through their website and wow, flavors that they have are just like, 
is already mouthwatering, you know, thinking of it. Yeah. And that would be a perfect addition to anyone's diet, especially when you're on, when you're keto and you cannot like, you know, eat enough fat or when you're on carnivore and then you're lacking some calories because that thousand calories per meal and, you know, it's just got, it's just delicious as well. It really gives you the motivation and it adds into your overall calories. And the other thing that you mentioned, sensory specific satiety, right? It's also something that I think I discovered in the last year because before what would happen is I would eat the same old food, but I would always have like different sauces on it or like, you know, have some different seasoning. And then it comes to show that, like you mentioned, our mind is always looking for some kind of a novelty or novel experience, whether it be taste, whether it just be going up the road. And that also elevates these neurotransmitters. So you have now more dopamine in the system and now you want to eat more of it. So perfectly correct. Like if you have the same food, I mean, it doesn't have to be boring, but if you have it mostly the same way, chances are you'll stick to your limits and you'll eat the same. Now, here's the big question. And your answer to this, will, I will, I'm sure it will solve a lot of confusion. And it would either make the price of butter and meat go up because a lot of people <laughs> might think that being on keto or carnivore, especially in the athletic community, everyone is so centered eating carbs to fuel performance. Now we know that it might be true if you're running a marathon or playing football, but you know, most of the people aren't doing that kind of stuff. They're just going to the gym to, you know, get some more muscle mass, look good, naked. And they think that eating carbs is probably very important to build muscle. But that, I mean, that whole ideology just comes to fail because, you know, you're extremely muscular in a, in a good way. And, um, you know, I've seen you eat, like you've just mentioned that you were on carnivore, you were on keto. So you haven't incorporated much carbs in your life. Tell me, do you need carbs to build muscle? You know, that, that really depends, you know, because there's a lot of people that, you know, for me growing up, it was so easy to eat, man. But I will say that, like, I, I always like to preface this because I'm Cuban. So growing up, you know, my meals, I didn't eat out. We didn't eat out a lot. We didn't have money mm -hmm. to eat out. So, um, you know, I had rice and black beans with a lot of my meals. That was like a, a typical Cuban staple, rice and black beans and fried plantains um, and, and like a meat. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say that looking back, I was I, I got introduced to a low carb diet back in like 2003, and I was following it even back then. Um, you know, I got introduced to um, uh, what's it called? Something nutrition, uh, precision nutrition. So, okay, um, yeah. the Canadian guys, John Berardi, uh, the PhD. He's a Dr. John Berardi, really smart guy. They're not very friendly towards keto, but they like low carb, and so. Mm -hmm. I would say that there were a lot of the, a lot of those years where I was getting I was putting on muscle and even in college in college I ate a lot of carbs because I was just like trying to get as big as possible you know I would have yeah. you know burgers with the buns I would have you know potatoes sweet potatoes and all that stuff um but you know fine I didn't let's say I didn't build the muscle that I built when I was 225 you know in 2015 2016 um, I was big, but then now when we talk about 2016 until now, like you said, I've had very little carbs and I've gotten older. 
Now, I'm probably not at the most muscle I've ever been, but I, I, I would say that there's probably within the last five years, I've, I was at the point where I've had the most muscle I've ever had. So the, the peak of the amount of muscle that I've had has been sometime in the last five years while I've been ketogenic. And, and a lot of that time, I wasn't focused on adding muscle. And it was just like, I remember the first year, um, you know, there's a lot of keto people here in Tampa. We have, uh, you know, uh, Dom Diagostino. We have uh, Jacob Wilson. We have uh, Ryan Lowry. We have Ben Pakulski now, who's been his keto off, off and on, even though he's a pro bodybuilder. And uh, I saw Jacob at the, the gym and I was like, man, I don't understand what's happening here. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do to lose muscle. You know, I'm intermittent fasting. I'm, I thought I was supposed to eat six times a day. I'm doing distance training now. I, I ran my first half marathon, you know, in 2016. You know, my protein is lower. What's going on? I, th I thought I was supposed to lose muscle. And it was interesting because he, I think he told me that um, that gave him the idea to do a study that they did where they, they um, had two groups of advanced power uh, bodybuilders who were, they were both not beginner groups. They put them both on the same amount of protein, which is very important when you do a study like that to make sure they both have enough protein or the same protein. And they put them both on a deficit. And then they had one group doing strict ketogenic and they had the other group doing um, cyclical ketogenic. And their version of cyclical was two days a week of, of a carb refeed. Now, okay. I think it maybe uh, uh, we should look at another study to at least one or two studies where they're doing, um, maybe in the same study, you do a cyclic ketogenic refeed with just one meal and a cyclic ketogenic refeed with just one day. Because what happened in the, in the study that they did was that the people that did, they, they lost the same amount of weight, both groups. The problem is that the group that was on strict ketogenic lost more body fat and the group that was cyclical ketogenic um, lost more lean mass. And so they, they lost the same amount of weight, but the, the cyclical group lost some lean mass. And so what they hypothesized from that was that, you know, ketones seem to be anabolic. They, 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 they have some, some properties that they act anabolic and, and they're very muscle sparing. And so that one group, they'd be out of ketosis. It would take them a few days to get back into ketosis. And so they lost that benefit of the muscle sparing um, properties of, of ketones. If you are trying to gain as much muscle as possible, meaning you want to be, you know, a, be a bodybuilder and eventually be a pro, then you're going to need carbs because you need, you know, that strong insulin signal. Like we can rely on mTOR as low carb athletes. We can rely on, 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 you know, there is a little bit of insulin, but not, not nearly as much. And we also rely on, on growth hormone or growth hormone is selectively anabolic in the muscle, but insulin is, is it doesn't care. Insulin is anabolic in every tissue, Everywhere. muscle, yeah. fat, you know? So um, if you're just a typical everyday person and you're used to doing like a bulk and you've done a bulk like every year and the last couple of years you've gained, let's say you've gained, you know, seven kilos on your bulk. And then you, this time around, you only gained three kilos. Well, overall, you're not going to have the total, same total amount of weight, but I would, I would bet that your muscle thickness might be better. Uh, the quality of of lean mass that you put put on might be better, so you can totally gain muscle on a ketogenic approach. But you have to have several things that that you um, consider, and this is why you know Ben Pakulski and I created Keto Muscle Intelligence because we we wanted to teach people how to train on a ketogenic diet because that's another thing that's important. You know, we know from the Faster study, I think it's 2017, that you know once you get
get fat adapted, you can operate at a much higher intensity use energy. That's awesome. Because if you're like a, a sugar burner, you probably get to the point where you're 65, 70% of your VO2 max, and then you start drifting towards burning more carbs, like 50% or more of the energy that you're burning is, is from sugar. And that's going to that's gonna come from, you know, uh, first, it's going to come from beta oxidation. So taking the triglycerides, turning them into, into sugar. And um, that, that process is, is a little bit slower than just having sugar available, but we can keep up as long as it's not for too long. Then when it gets mm -hmm. to a point where it's an extended, really high intense thing, then you might not be able to keep up with your energy demands by just that. Um, but like you said, most people want to look good naked. Most people are living a way too much of a, of a life where they're way too overfed and they're, they're, they think they got to slam all these products and they got to do all these things wouldn't it be better to take an approach where it's a little bit more sensible you look you're going to look better because you're not going to have these crazy like i look the same almost all the time now whereas before i would have you know on a carb up day or when i ate more carbs my face would look more swollen my body would look more swollen now i look kind of the same all the time which i love and i just feel like i have so much I have many more benefits than just the muscle. You know, I have more of an engine. I, I feel better. I have less inflammation. That's another thing that you have to consider if you're having carbs all the time. You know, when I did two summers ago, I did 12 weeks in a row of um, carb ups. And on the days that I would do my carb up, I would, I would um, do drop sets and I would do higher volume and less rest. And it was awesome. And I did feel that extra oomph for that, for that higher intensity stuff. But what ended up happening is that my inflammation started creeping up slowly. And so the next week when it was time to do that carb up again, I was just a little bit more inflamed. And then the next week I was just a little bit. And after 12 weeks, I'm like, gosh, my elbow, my shoulders again. And so, you know, there's people and, and this is why you, there has to be context because you have a lot of uh, groups and companies that focus on, on high level athletes. And a lot of them are not doing a ketogenic approach unless the person is either trying to lose weight, trying to heal in the off season, um, or the person might be retiring and they, they, they want to get, you know, take care of their metabolism and get healthy again. Um, but when you are at that really, really high level, a lot of them can't afford to go through the adaptation process that needs to happen, which can take over a year. You know, people say it's like three, you know, four weeks or, or three months. And, you know, I, I noticed that I wasn't fully adapted. At three months, I got my pumps back. I started to see my vascularity again. Um, but then I noticed that after a year, I was at the point where um, I had to cut my fat because I started to put on a little bit of subcutaneous fat from extra fat that I was um, in consuming. And I think that just was telling me like, look, my, my body's able to use the fat that I consume and my body fat more efficiently. And so I cut the fat down um, after a while where I used to be closer to 75, 80%. And now I'm close to like 60, 65% fat. And for me, that's like the perfect amount now. I eat a high protein diet. I think protein's the most important thing. We know that, you know, the most important thing is you need to have that leucine signal. Um, and so if you have enough protein, then you're going to gain muscle. Now, if you look at protein versus protein plus carbs, um, it's very simple. Like we only see cell cultures. I don't think we have any human studies with that. But like if you look at just carbs by themselves, they do nothing to gain muscle. But then when you add protein and carbs, it's a huge difference. And, and it's, it's, it's better than just protein. 
And anecdotally, we see that protein plus carbs is better than just protein. But if you just do protein and you get enough fat and you eat enough, um, you're eating enough calories, which for me, everybody listening, um, divide your or multiply your, your weight in kilograms by 2.2. You get your weight in, in pounds. So let's say mm -hmm. if you're 100 kilos, multiply that by 2.2, that's 220 pounds. And the minimum that you should be eating if you're serious about bulking is multiply your body weight in pounds by 20. So for me, I would start off at about 4,400 calories um, for putting on muscle. If I had a body weight goal, let's say I'm 225 or 220 and I want to get to 235, I would set mm -hmm. my protein to that goal weight, 235 pounds. I would set my carbs to 50 because I want to have a, maybe a little bit of carbs to, uh, to help with that. And then the rest would be fat. And I would rely on oils. I would rely on fatty cuts of meat. And you know, if you're eating a lot and you think I'm eating so much, I'm not gaining weight, you're not eating enough. Period. It's just you're not, you, it, and it's 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 uncomfortable. And for anybody who feels bad, like man, I can't put on muscle. Watch. I think it's called Den of Giants. It's a it's like a 21 minute video by Vice. It's all about strong men, and it's about um, specifically about the strong men of uh, not Finland. Uh, no, I think it's Norway. There's a big. Yes. Uh, Yakabo, I think it's called. And um, everybody, all of them will tell you the hardest part of their job is, is how much they have to eat. And so if you really see that people that this is what they rely on as their, you know, the way they make money, they are eating, you know, they're eating 10,000 calories a day, 15,000 calories a day, wow. 20,000 calories a day, you know, <laughs> man, and I'm trying to fit in like 4,000. It only already looks like a challenge. And how many, how many kilos are you? I'm 83 now. Okay. Kilos. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good amount for four thousand. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So nice and healthy. And I think this is <laughs> this is one of the other things that everyone um, is facing as well. Because I remember when back when I was very serious on the ketogenic diet, and I thought all carbs are bad, and you know, carbs is just gonna make my in, make me insulin resistant and things like that. This is back three years <laughs> ago, and I was also yeah. doing twenty four hour fast. And with twenty four hour fast, I don't know what was up with me at that time. I was, I think, I was just being one of those people who were like trying to be hard to kill. So I was doing 24 hour fast. I was doing like three hours of like serious competition level CrossFit workouts. I was wow. working out five to six um, and I was working out when I was fasted. I was working, um, I was even working out five days in a week, if I'm not mistaken. But surprisingly, one of the things that happened was I did not lose a lot of muscle mass. I did get shredded. Oh, I great. Yeah, and I think one of the other reasons is that, like you mentioned, that your fat tones have a muscle sparing effect. In some, I think I read a study, and it says that ketones act very similar to round chain amino acids. So, like you mentioned, leucine. So there's leucine, isoleucine, and valine. So having and leucine that is also circulating, ketogenic. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. So, yeah. and um, so what about when people say that, you know, if you have branch chain amino acids in your fasting window, or like, let's say if you're not even fasting, your ketone levels drop, is there any truth to that? Well, like, you know, w when you look at ketosis, like the first thing that they, that they say is like, okay, the most important inputs are going to be the amount of carbs that you have. And then second mm -hmm. in, in importance would be the amount of protein you have because, you know, protein could 
in some cases be glucogenic. It could be insulogenic in some places. Leucine doesn't have that issue. And so, um, you know, Dom Diagostino, this is something I talked to him about years ago um, because I was saying, hey, what about, and by the way, you know, it's funny because you, you know, when we learn something new, we automatically, that's, it's that, it's the whole Dunning-Kruger effect. You know, it's like, that's the only thing that you know right now. And so you, you stick with that and you haven't mm -hmm. seen the full picture yet. And so it's like, we forget that it's like, okay, I'm doing a 24 hour fast, but that's a, you know, that's a catabolic, you know, input that I'm putting in and I'm trying to be anabolic. But then at the same time, I know that fasting is good. And so I, I have to tell people, listen, you know, maybe you know at this time just do a 12 hours you know get your food in in 12 hours and also be aware of the fact that with muscle muscle protein synthesis the most important thing is going to be you're going to have to artificially um space out your protein a little bit more so instead of having like one or two meals it's going to be better to have four meals because you're going to have more of those little um insulin um little pulses from from the protein and spacing out that protein we will absorb all the protein so like when they say you know you you absorb 30 grams at a time it's not true you can absorb all the protein if we didn't we would die you know because we our body is going to say give me whatever I, I can get and i'll use whatever i can use but if we're talking about like optimal muscle protein synthesis then it's better to space it out um so sorry i went on a rant and so um Remind on. me what the question was uh, so I could get back to it. Um, so I was wondering that I know for a fact that if you have glutamine, then oh, it yes. would reduce yeah, glutamine your... Glutamine is glucogenic, yeah. Yeah, so glutamine yeah. reduces your ketone levels a bit. But, yep. but uh, I've also heard similar stories about amino acids. Have you done any experimentation where you've had like branching amino acids and tested your ketone levels later? You know, I haven't, I know people have, uh, but yeah, that's why I brought up Dom is because I yeah. said, Hey, wh what do you think about this? Because, you know, um, we heard, you know, Dr. Jason Fung and some other people that are at a, that try to look at all these different fasting things. And they try to say like, they try to make a range, even though we're so we're, we're going off of averages from studies when we're going off of, you know, anecdotal data and they'll say maybe 200 calories or less, uh, provided that none of those calories are, are, are carbs you might be able to just be just fine and keep your insulin low enough. You know, there's a study from 1982 where you, they had people consuming 44 grams of fat and nothing happened to insulin. And so insulin is probably the most important factor in maintaining, uh, you know, a, uh, a level of ketosis. And so mm -hmm. um, I don't think, now glutamine, like you said, glutamine, if there's glutamine in your BCAAs, which I don't know if glutamine is always included in BCAAs, unless it's like BCAAs, EAAs together. Yeah. Um, and, and, and glutamine, uh, but glutamine, like you said, it is, it is a little bit of, it, there is a little, um, it's a little, uh, glucogenic. And so I'll, I'll say to someone who wants to take glutamine because maybe they have, um, some gut issues that they're trying to heal. They're trying to strengthen their gut lining. And so I'll say, take your glutamine after your workout. Um, now if you're trying to maintain ketosis, I said to him, Hey, what if I wanted to, um, extend my fast a little bit longer? Like let's say I trained at 6 AM and I don't want to eat until the afternoon. I was doing that for a period there. Uh, and this was like April of 2018, 2017. I was, I, I, I had this goal. I was like, you know what? I want to get down to 6% body fat. I've never gotten to that. And so I did my um, DEXA scans. I was actually doing them here at, at uh, ASPI where, where Jacob Wilson and Ryan uh, do all their research. Amazing facility. And then... Um, 
and I, 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 to, I was training at six and I wasn't eating until 3 p.m. Said in the first couple of weeks, there was a nice little decrease in fat and then it bounced back. And I started to see like my next body fat test, my, my lean mass had gone down a little bit and my body fat was creeping back up. And I was like, oh, no, this is good. This is not good. So I, I started to eat after my workout again. But I, th- I thought, what if I, I asked Dom, what if I put in some BCAAs? And he's like, I think it's relatively safe, especially even if you're doing a, an extended fast, because if you're deeper in ketosis, you know, and, and, and now you get that little insulin, little pulse, it's not going to be anything too crazy. And you could, mm-hmm. you know, hypothetically maintain ketosis while eating those BCA, taking in those BCAAs. Um, but you just got to honestly just try to keep it as simple as possible and just say, what is my main goal? I know that I can't have everything at once. You know, maybe there is, I think I would argue that it's, it's much more likely that you can do really good recomposition with the keto. You're burning fat and you're gaining muscle, but, but always has to be a main one. And so mm-hmm. if your main idea is to uh, burn fat, I would try to lean out as much as possible first. Because I just noticed that when I lean out and I'm at that point where my skin is really thin, then when I go to put on my muscle again, when I go to um, do some maintenance, maybe like a month or two first before I go right into um, getting into a surplus, I notice that there's a period there where I can add, I'll add 200 calories. The next week I'll add another 300 calories. And then I'm, I'm like at a thousand calories more than I was within a month. And I haven't put on any weight yet. And now I'm just filling out and I'm looking awesome. And it's this magical like time period where you're really ripped and you look bigger. And like, you know, I've been there where I've, been, I've had like, I've been 10 pounds lighter and I'll talk to people and be like, man, you put on some muscle. And it's just because mm-hmm. your muscles are popping out more. So, you know, it's something that you can try. The only thing that you can do is you can test blood ketones, but you have to understand that there's a little bit of a delay with that. So I think it's important if you are going to do that experiment, um, make sure that nothing else changes, keep everything exactly the same. Um, test your blood sugar and your ketones at baseline. So while mm-hmm. you're still fasted and uh, ideally, if you're going to do it, do it in the morning. So you, you test your blood sugar and ketones fasted, go do your workout, um, do the typical workout that you do, realize that your workout is another input. And if you're training, you know, really intense, there is going to be some, a blood sugar increase from that. Um, so keep that in mind. So maybe you might even do like three days of, of just getting an idea of how much your blood sugar goes up during an intense workout, then bring in the BCAAs and then do, you know, three, four days of, of testing with that and see if your ketones go down. And, and I would actually do with that experiment, I would do a 30 minute post-workout and then I would do an hour and then I would do two hours because, mm-hmm. you know, your, your ketones, unlike blood sugar, the, the effects aren't right away. You know, so your, your blood sugar could go up pretty quickly, but it'll take hours for your ketones to go down. So yeah. I noticed that too, when I've, I've compared breath and blood and breath is testing, you know, acetone and things like that. So you, you don't really get one-to-one correlations. People have tried to do it for years. It's really, really hard to do. Um, the data is all over the place. So yeah. it's definitely something to try. Definitely something to try. Well, I will experiment. The thing is right now I'm more on a cyclical keto approach where I am bringing in some carbs at the end of my training schedule, especially if I'm doing very high dense, high volume training. And that also because I have seen some studies which have shown that carbs by themselves don't have any effects on muscle protein synthesis. As you said, 
But again, when you have insulin coming into the picture and when you spike up insulin and when you have all this uh, glycogen which holds so much of water, I was also reading some, it changes a lot of things. And I was also reading some research from, I think his name was uh, Dr. Jose Antonio. And he oh, mentioned and something so about... <laughs> Yeah. So do you know about this thing that he, I think he's the one who made it famous called hyperplasia. Oh yeah. Hyperplasia is, yeah. The, 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 it's the division of the muscle cells and, and you increase your muscle cells versus just, you know, increasing the size, which is hypertrophy. Yes. And that concept, when I was looking into it, one of the things that can do that is when you load yourself, or let's say you have at least one or 1.5 grams per kg of um, carbs right after your workout, let, let's say 30 minutes after your workout, and you stretch these muscles that you've been, and that stretch somehow increases the hyperplasic effect on the uh, muscles itself. So it's, it is the insulin that is coming in, and then you're shuttling in amino acids or proteins which get delivered right to the cells. And at the top of that, because you're now holding so much water, it also has like a, I mean, it has a hypertrophic and a hyperplasic effect. So this is something that I've been ex experimenting with. And to be honest, I don't have like the stats in terms of weights and stuff. But anecdotally, when I see myself in the mirror, it, it does seem to work. Wow. And That's of awesome. course, did I'm he, also did he, using... Did he guess why? Did he, did he, did he try well, to like guess why, why the, that, that would... Uh, improve hyperplasia like or, or give you more of a chance it's, of that it's um so this was i read this a while back but it's mostly happening due to the stretching of the working muscle within a shorter time frame so when you're stretching muscle loading yourself with water and have like i use creatine i'll use betaine like tmg sometimes some of the recommendations are, you know, some some of these things would probably be banned, like glycerol, or even arguably like or Cialis. I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah, in some some sports, yes, it's banned. And you know, wow, this idea of using like for bringing it into the muscle. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to source it to be honest over here. I can't find it, but That's uh, crazy yeah, you like can't Cialis. Find wow. Yeah, you can. Um, but yeah, probably when I'll travel, I'll get uh, I'll get them and. Um, let's try that and you because you know you've been working out for so long have you done some genetic testing to see like do you have um any of these favorable genes that you know increase like the skeletal muscle mass muscle fibers muscle size strength or something like that yeah i have a few Are you special really cool ones. <laughs> i have <laughs> you have some really cool ones my uh uh, if you have, if anyone wants to listen to it, um, it's on um, the the uh, Keto Savage podcast. Our friend Anthony J. He's a epigeneticist for the Mayo Clinic. He does um, uh, what do you call it? DNA consulting. He works with pro athletes. If you hear some of the names that you know, he can't really say in public, but the people that he's worked with, it's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And he read our DNA, both mine and Robert's, and both of us have really good DNA. I have a few more um, risky DNA things, which I don't even get need to get into for the, the um, this conversation. But I had the warrior gene, um, and I forget what that's associated with. I think that's well, basically one of them. I don't know if the warrior gene is the one that I'm talking about, but one of them is associated with, or the hunter gene. I think it's called the hunter gene, where I basically can um, 
I'm able to eat more than the typical person. And so right. uh, that gives me a, an advantage because I can eat a lot more. Um, and, you know, the, the, one of the ways that people can do that, um, that, that with experimentation would be to look into um, peptides. Uh, I would never touch it because I just, I cannot imagine. I've heard, I have powerlifting friends that have told me stories that will blow your mind. They take ghrelin. Um, so someone takes ghrelin. If anybody who doesn't know what ghrelin is, it's one of the major hunger home hormones and they take ghrelin and it's like a black hole. Like they can just eat and eat and eat. And it's like, and, and anybody who's done a, a bodybuilding competition will experience that effect without taking ghrelin after the show, especially if you don't do a ketogenic approach, which Robert, um, again, uh, Robert Sykes, one of my best friends, he talks about that because his first show he put on the year before he had put on a hundred pounds by just eating, eating. And it wasn't wow. the best. It wasn't the best weight ever, but he, then he lost 80 pounds doing his show. And so he did like, he, he had to, his, his mind is on a different level and he had to basically at the end, he was under eating so much. He was low calories and, and like, he would have to basically visualize someone putting a gun to his parents' head and saying that, they were going to kill his parents if he didn't if he didn't do this lift right now and that's how that's where he had to go uh -huh. and then he put on i think like 25 pounds in the first day of of his post show rebound so he had a terrible rebound and it was because his ghrelin was so crazy and and he, i think he told me he 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 did the math once that he he had eaten like 20,000 calories like several times he would go to a restaurant eat the whole pancake menu eat everything and then go somewhere else and eat again and so there's things you can do to do that. But I mean, I did, I do have like my, my muscle, the way my uh, muscles are built, I'm very much uh, type 2A um, and type mm -hmm. 2B. So I'm very fast twitch. And so it's funny because you see Robert is very slow twitch and, you know, he was 190 pounds. So, um, you know, pretty heavy. It was in his off season and someone challenged him to do a marathon and he did a marathon within a month and he didn't really train much at all. And he did it. And that's because he he's built that way. He could do that. Like if I did that, I would die. Yeah. You know, I had to build up. I had to do 40 miles for my I wanted to do 40 miles for my 40th birthday. And I trained for that for like four to six weeks just to get my body ready for it, you know, to get my feet ready, to get my cardiovascular. Mm -hmm. So it's good to know your genetics. And I, I, I always say, like, this is one of the things that I think people I wish people did is like find a way to get your child's genetics as early as possible. If you use 23andMe or one of these companies, you don't have to use your real name. Um, I would recommend you don't use your real name because if you just put a fake name like Mickey Mouse or something, um, there's really no way that they're, they're going to be able to identify you if they ever wanted to look at your, your health history because it's, 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 yeah. you always want to take care of that as much as possible. But then you can see like, for example, my wife, um, she was you know, when we did her, our genetics, she was, she had MTRR, uh, homozygous and MTHFR, which MTRR, she doesn't methylate B12 well, and then MTHFR, she doesn't methylate folate. And so she was growing up and she had mental health issues. She had, uh, she was always tired and she felt, she always thought she was lazy. But what if you just gave her methylated B vitamins her whole life? If she would have known that it's one of those things where, because we need to also pay attention to epigenetics and like, you know, I, I remember seeing something where I had very similar genetics to a friend of mine who has all types of health issues in certain areas. I had the same genetics. Like I had COMT, homozygous. I can't 
um, detox heavy metals. I estrogen will build up quickly in my system, um, but be a good thing too. Like if you have high levels of androgens and estrogen too, it's actually good as long as it's not too high, you know. And so, uh, because of my lifestyle, a lot of those genes were obviously not turned on. And um, but it's it would be nice to know if you do experience that first issue to know that, oh, I, that explains it. It's because of this. You know, I have electrical issues with my heart. I have risk for that. I never have felt it, but my dad has it, you know, and, and, and creatine, believe it or not, Anthony recommended, which you just reminded me again, I told myself that I was going to get back, back on creatine because I have a few clients right now asking about creatine and I'm like, get on it. I have female clients that I'm yep. putting on creatine. Creatine can help with, um, if you have um, electrical issues, with your heart, it's actually a great supplement to take. And it's the best supplement available right now for the past 30, 40 years. It has the most research. Jose Antonio has done a bunch of creatine studies. Um, Jose Antonio, by the way, he's very prolific. First person that I really got into, like back in 2000, I was reading his studies. He did a bunch of stuff on caffeine. For anybody who's interested in, in like the effects of caffeine, um, he's got a lot of good stuff on that. That's cool. Yeah, he's, he's quite mind blowing. And uh, yeah, creatine, I would also say is like one of the most researched things. It um, helps in ADP production, can help in mitochondria. It also is, for me, I've even found it to be a good nootropic because, you know, if you yeah, have really they've done studies well, on that it. too. Yeah, yeah try I'm, to, I'm getting right back on it. I have a creatine. Well. You know, you, you, I'm going to open up that bottle and you know what's going to happen, right? It's going to be a bunch of <laughs> clumps of creatine. So I'm going to have to like break it up. But I, I have creatine in my, in my, uh, I, I've used creatine on and off since high school. Creatine came out when yeah. I was, you know, I'm 40 years old. I was in the 90s. Creatine was just starting to take off. I remember I was taking a metrics mass action. So it was uh, mm -hmm. creatine with sugar. So it was like a yeah. grape flavor that I would take and it would have like, you know, maybe like 30, 40 grams of sugar with it. So, I mean, when I talk about anabolic, that was, uh, <laughs> Definitely yeah. anabolic because I was having it with a bunch of protein after. So, yeah, it helps shuttle those things back right into the cell really fast. And even now, yeah. they say that if you have like a fruit or something that will spike your insulin levels, have creative with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, tell me, how does your um, how does your training schedule look like? Because I know that you're training twice a day now. Yeah, man, oh, I'm doing 75 hard. I uh, it's it's a love hate relationship. Have you heard of 75 hard? I've heard it on your uh, Instagram. I've seen it on your Instagram. I've seen those checklists and, you know, you're checking every day till uh, <laughs> 60 days or something, right? Yeah. If you're dopamine driven like I am, it is the best feeling. I'll tell you that, checking those little boxes. So um, Andy Frazella is the CEO of, um, of uh, oh my gosh, I forget the name of the, um, I, I don't know a lot of these supplement companies, but he's a CEO of a big comp supplement company. And hopefully I'll remember it before I, uh, before I, but I don't know. That's remember. okay. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, first form. It's first form. First, first form. PH, okay. P-H-O-R-M. And he has the MFCO podcast. He has a potty mouth. I don't really listen to his podcast. I know my friends are friends with him. I know a lot of people that know him. Uh, 2019, he came out with 75 Hard, and it was because he was in a bad place. I remember he was going to hire someone that I know to coach him because he was just in a bad place. He was, he was drinking a lot. He was overweight. And he decided to do this. And so many people have done this and have had amazing re results to the point where it's, it's changed my coaching. 
Um, you know, I have people, I'm putting people in the first month of coaching on, on a type of, you know, boot camp style first month where I don't check in with them. I have them check in with me three times a week. And I have a specific list of daily tasks for each client that, that it's, it's not quite 75 hard, but it's specific to them. So if it's someone who, when we do our consult, who tells me that they have a hard time getting to bed in time or they eat too close to bed, that's going to be one of the things that I'm going to zero in on. I'm going to say, hey, did you wait two hours? You know, did you, did you give two hours before you stopped eating and go to bed? Because, you know, that's one of your things. Um, yep. So this program is 75 days and um, you have to drink a gallon of water a day. You have to do two 45-minute workouts separated by, I think, two and a half for three, three hours. One of the workouts has to be outside. You have to follow a diet. So whatever diet you choose, you have to follow it. There's no cheating and there's no alcohol for 75 days. That's good for me. I'm sober for nine years now. Um, is it nine years? What, something like that. And, uh, and then, thank you. Yeah, it's good. I don't, I don't deserve to drink. I lost my, my, my privileges. Um, <laughs> and then you, you have to read 10 pages of nonfiction a day. You have to um, take a, a, a daily progress picture. And if you miss any of those things, you have to start back on day one. And oh, so, no. yeah. So like I haven't missed anything. And my, my wife and I, there's been times when we've had, you know, we've traveled. I've had to do walks at 11 p.m. at night. You know, I've had to do things that I never would have done before. It's helped so much because on the weekends, you know, we get lazy. And when you still have to do two workouts on the weekends, I take it easy. It's not terrible workouts. So yesterday I did a walk on the beach. I just jogged a mile and then walked the rest. And then I did a, um, a foam rolling workout, you know, so it's 45 minutes. I'm sweating because of the pain of the yeah. foam rolling, but um, it's nothing crazy. Um, it, 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 I just absolutely love it. So in line with that, my training has been um, for the past six weeks, I've been doing where I, I guess a week with my buddy, Zach, really great guy here. Um, he he works at a place called movement therapy and so it's a lot of movement stuff um mm -hmm. we do stuff with kettlebells we do my, i'm really trying to get my knee flexion as good as possible my my um my plantar flexion and my ankles is terrible even my dorsiflexion is not great my my spine is all stuck together i have issues with shoulder mobility even though i've never had any back uh issues or shoulder issues thank god but i do have That's um my right knee is reconstructed and my left knee, I have a torn meniscus still. Um, I, I, I don't really feel pain in my left knee anymore because I stopped putting more than 400 pounds on my back for squat. That just went away right, right Yeah, that, that helps, right? <laughs> helps a ton. Um, and so my training now is like, I'll do one workout a day outside, which is usually going to be because I'm jogging a mile a day every single day. This so I haven't missed mm -hmm. way on that. I'm on like day, I don't know, one. 90 200 whatever i'm on and then i and then i do one lift a day um like today i'm gonna go back in the afternoon and it's gonna be um i'm doing a lot of have you have you seen any of knees over toes guy stuff i have heard about them but um i haven't like looked into them yet it's one thing that i Amazing. have to put on my radar yeah i got a buddy who's out in new zealand um and another friend who's in Australia who like got really involved with them and we've been DMing and they were like, man, you got to look at their stuff. Just look at it. And, um, and I, I just started looking at his stuff. I started watching his videos and, um, 
as someone who is a student of the game, and I always like to, I like to um, support fellow coaches. I bought his his monthly thing, so it's like oh, nice. fifty dollars a month. He's and I'm also learning so much because I've wanted to create an app for a while. So I'm I'm probably gonna make an app with my buddy Zach, the guy, the movement guy. Um, and you know, you have things that I do a warm up every time, and usually specific to like the if I'm doing an upper body day that's more focused on upper body, it'll be mostly upper body, you know, opposite for lower body. But he always has in his app, he's got like his coach's notes, he's got the warm up, and he's got stretching at the end. So I'm doing a lot of that. And it's, you know, things that I'm not as comfortable with where I, I used to be, you know, I'm in my comfort zone in the gym, like I push myself, yep. and I, I know how to contract the crap out of my muscles. But now I'm doing things where it's like, there's the metabolic component to it. There's the, you know, the mobility that's just, it's killer. So I, I'm probably lifting, you know, five days a week, um, you know, once a day. And, you know, the, the workout sessions are about an hour now, okay. uh, where before there used to be an hour and a half, but it's a lot of, you know, functional stuff and I'm loving it. I really want to, I really want to see that progress because, you know, when you've been doing it for me, it's been 26 years that I've been lifting consistently since I was 14 years old, you know, and I, and it's nice to get to a point where you have something new. We have all this progress that you can make. And so I'm like, I'm like a white belt again, you know, I'm like a beginner when it comes to this stuff. So it's been cool to see that. And I think it's important for people to do that is try to challenge themselves in different ways, you know? Yep. Completely agree. You can't be lying around in your comfort zone for all your life. It just gets boring. <laughs> for yeah, me, it just exactly. gets boring. Totally so, agree. Um, have you in this year or in the past year, let's say, cause the last year was super slow. Have you added any new biohacks or supplements or something or the other that you hadn't done all these years that you think have given you most bang for your buck, something that you would like to share with the audience, some, some of your new discoveries, even if it's like, even if there are no sign that we'll take it. Oh, dude, I'm the same. Yeah, like I don't need I don't need studies. <laughs> I'll do some studies myself. Yeah, no, I love it. My favorite obsession is with nootropics. So like I've done, okay. you know, in the last couple of years, it's been, you know, I really like Fenibut. Have, have you ever tried Fenibut? I haven't tried it. Very, very good. It's it's also it's like a it's like a GABA agonist. So yep. it, it helps with GABA. I, I would take it sometimes at night to relax. Uh, but then I've, I've had times where I've experimented with taking Fenibut with um, aniracetam, and I talked to one of my buddies who had a TBI. He was a, a special forces guy, and he they breached the door, and they got like he he a staircase fell on his head, and so he's got all these brain injuries. So he's always the one who I talk to because he's done so much with nootropics, and yeah, yeah, and he he was like try Fenibut with aniracetam, and I I called him the day that I did it. I was like, man, this is awesome. Um, so lots of stuff with that L-theanine. Um, I take alpha GPC all the time. I got into peptides last year. I did, um, ipamorelin with CJC. Um, so that was the first time I, I, I don't want to say the first time I did peptides cause I was taking, um, BPC one five seven back in like 2013, 2014. Cause you know, it was such a great for infl inflammation. Have you ever looked into that at all? Yes, BP. I haven't used it. I have some peptides lying um, in my fridge downstairs, which I haven't got the time to reuse. One of one of them is um, a peptide to boost mitochondrial health. Um, I can't remember the name right now. Oh, oh, I know the one um, you're talking about. Is the one that you take like once or twice a year? Yes, 
yeah, well, yeah it, mostly too. depends mostly it depends because you can take it um you can take it like before like competitions and things like that or things when you're when you're really direct i have um a uh copper peptide i think it's cj gkhcu so it's like a copper peptide i have uh, some intranasal peptides but that's just for brain health and things like that but i wanted to what do did you put, what's the intranasal one um i think it's n acetyl c max yeah oh, oh c max yeah see i haven't i haven't taken c max so i wanted to acetyl c max so you can use it intranasally. It increases brain-derived neurotropic factor by like multiplied by hundreds. And uh, yeah, they have some good studies on it. And it's easy because you can just, you know, sniff it. And uh, if you're having a hard day, you haven't slept very well. It works really good for that. But I decided to, you know, do some of these growth hormone spiking peptides maybe next year. So we'll see how Man, that goes. I'll tell you. You know, everybody says testamorelin is the best. I haven't tried it, so I can't comment on it. Yeah. Um, but I will say the combination of ipamorelin and CJC is fantastic. Um, you have to have a little bit of, of um, this because like for me, mm -hmm. like by the time nighttime comes, I'm on fire in the morning. By the time nighttime comes, yeah. like my brain is turning off and it's, it was harder for me. The, the, I think based on what I've learned, the best time to take it would be two hours after your last meal at night. Because it's going to coincide better okay. with your natural growth hormone uh, pulses that you're going to get in the middle of the mm -hmm. night. So ipamorelin is a GHRP. It's a growth hormone releasing peptide. What that does is it amplifies the, the signal. Um, so that's all that all peptides are. They're these amino acid chains that are giving some sort of signal. And that's why mm -hmm. they're better than taking like a hormone, which is going to automatically shut off your natural production. And there's actually studies that show that that enhanced... Um, signal can continue even after you come off of the peptide which is really cool it's like your body learned how long it would stay like that and if it happens for everybody i don't know um and then you have you pair that with cjc no dac which is um and i think cjc would be better than cjc no dac because cjc has a longer half-life but i didn't i didn't have that one i worked through tampa tea here my friend is the owner and they they had a compounding pharmacy that put them both together and cjc nodac is a ghrh so it's a growth hormone releasing hormone and what mm -hmm. that one does you have you have ipamorelin here amplifying the growth hormone signal and then you have cjc blocking somatotropin or somatostatin which is like it's like your governor for growth hormone so it's yep. clearing the path and then the, and then it's giving you it's more increasing so, signal yeah yeah, so those two together are fantastic. Um, you know, I have a buddy who's really into SARMs. I'm going to bring him into the on the podcast. I just, I never, ever wanted to touch those because I grew up in the 90s. And like, I remember hearing stories about, you know, androstenedione yeah. and how like, it, you know, it, my, my estrogen was going to go up and I was always terrified of that. Um, and so my buddy's been trying to talk to me about, about some of these SARMs. Um, to, to try i just have to i have to do more research um, well keep us posted because you know uh, whatever yeah. comes out of your research like i would really be interested in trying that as well oh, I have I'll, tried, I'll let you I do the tried, experiment i have dried carterine carterine uh, just gw 51 51 oh, yes. or something yes i've heard yeah gw it increases yeah. endurance and I, I did that actually getting ready for my half marathon because you know i i was training with a guy at the time who was a hybrid athlete and so he's big like me and he did distance and strength and he's like man for a guy like us 
you're going to see your engine is going to go up. Your cardio is going to go up. Just thinking about it right now makes me want to go buy some more because I, I freaking loved it. It was really, really good. Um, other than that, I did um, the one, last one I'll say that, that I would definitely recommend looking into is molecular hydrogen. Um, uh -huh. First, go to molecularhydrogenstudies.com. There's like 500 plus studies. I was taking a pill um, that um, I think I have a link on it on my, on my profile. It works awesome, but I think I found something better. I just haven't tried it yet. We had someone on the podcast who has oxyhydrogen. So now you're inhaling it in an aerosol and it's like even better than the pill. Cause the first one was they would do the water and that one just, it was, it was okay, but it was because of the fact that it was in water, you, you weren't absorbing as much of it and the effects weren't as, as, as prolonged. Now with this, it's interacting. The hydrogen is being released by the minute it touches my tongue all the way until it goes down into my gut. Um, and that increases recovery. It improves performance for a lot of people. Um, and so that's what I want to do next. We're going to, I think we're going to buy a machine and, and do that and, and experiment with that. It's like 1600 bucks. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta justify that to the wife. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to bring in all the benefits. And I've actually been a fan of molecular hydrogen for a while. And um, as we speak, I'm in the back ends of uh, forming a biohacking company. Well, basically, mm. it's just going to... And one of the products that we will bring to the market is a molecular hydrogen generator. So oh, it's going awesome. to be... I, I think I had, don't have it right now. It might be downstairs. But basically, it's, um, it's a small generator. And it's able to have... 1,500 1, parts per billion of hydrogen, which is almost at the saturation level of hydrogen in the water. And, um, and yeah, it's just like a small button. You press that in, put the water, and you know about all the benefits. So you don't need to talk about that. Water, yeah. It's perfect. So we've come almost, wow, time's passed by so fast. We've almost come to the end of this broadcast. And um, my final closing question to you would be, if you had a time machine, and like you mentioned to that 17-year-old guy, if you could go back in, let's say, your 20s or 30s, and if you give yourself like one or two pieces of advice, what would that be? Knowing all that you know right now. And I mean, you can advise yourself to buy Bitcoin, but like, oh, I'd appreciate something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 look, I, I think, um, I think no, no, nothing against people investing in, in crypto, especially the ones who bought it a few years back when it was like 3000 or even earlier than that, when it was less, Hey, more yeah, power. To you. I just, yeah. Can you imagine? I personally, I, I prefer like precious metals, uh, even, even silver, you know, even some of these other metals that people don't consider. I like things with intrinsic value, but no, I won't go into like the back to the future time machine thing. That, mm -hmm. That's, that's a cop out. Like you said. Um, yeah. so I would, I would say definitely, um, you know, when I graduated from University of Florida in six, if I would have gotten on YouTube back then, and if I would have decided back then, you know, to, to really just dive into this and, and do really what brought me, like applying my passion to life, you know, because your passion is not what you do. Your passion is what you bring to life, you know? So, so living your passion is, it doesn't make much sense to me. Living your purpose does because you put passion into your purpose. And so I know back then I was single. I didn't have anything to lose. I could have built something really huge by now. Um, and I would try, I'll try to pretend that I won't 
copy any of the companies that came out in the last 10 years and, and make, yeah. <laughs> release them first, you know, uh, that would have been hard to do and be like, man, so this is a really cool company. Like, like Mark freaking Mark Bell, the way he came up with the slingshot, that that story is freaking amazing. Um, but, uh, and then he was able to buy his, you know, his parents a house right next door to him. He bought his brother a car. I mean, he's the meathead millionaire. Um, so like, there's lots of cool things, but I, if I would have just been the Danny Vega brand back then, I remember I got out of grad school and I, uh, I went straight to VCU. And then when I came back home from VCU after a year and a half, because I wanted to chase money, I could have just said, cut it off right there. And instead of, I was training people to make money as I searched for a pharmaceutical job, you know, and then I got into pharmaceuticals for three years and then I got into medical device for 10 years and I made a ton of money, but like, you know, I would have loved to be a business owner back when I was 26 years old, you know, 14 years ago, I would have even more contacts. I would have been able to um, network the way I've been networking the past, you know, four years so much more and I would have been fulfilled. But it's hard to get in with those things because then like, what if I didn't meet my wife and then I don't have my kids? And it's like, it's yeah. hard to say, I, I don't want to change anything because I, I want to have the life that I have. But if, if I could keep everything else, like my wife and my boys, then I would, I would have said, quit your job back then, you know, this whole- Follow your passion. Yeah, it, it just, it just it, it, it's, it's so hard for so many people because they really truly believe that their job is safe and it's not, mm -hmm. you know, your job is not safe. You know, you think it is because you get a bi-weekly paycheck and you get a 401k and you get, you know, insurance and it's, it's, they will treat you like a number right away. I've experienced it myself. I'm on the hall of yep. fame in my home office in, in New Jersey of my company. And, uh, and the next year after that, I was on the chopping block and I didn't get cut, but I still like, they treated me like I was going to get cut. So. And I think one thing that we have learned in 2019 and 2020 is like the whole world now knows that, you know, it's not, nothing is guaranteed and it's going to be the same, just like cycles of life. Everything will keep on moving up and down and round and down. But if you're working for some company, chances are like you are treated as a number. So, yeah, and I like that you. you said that the cycle thing because um, life is a cycle, and don't don't come to conclusions because you don't know how the story ends. So stop coming to conclusions because the this could be the beginning of a, of an amazing story. You know, you just have to have patience. I can tell you, I don't know how it is in Dubai, but you know, people talk a lot of crap about this country, and I can talk a lot of crap about USA. I can, but mm -hmm. then at the same time, in my experience. What I can see is like anybody that applies themselves to something for three years will make a lot of money. And that's like, mm -hmm. that's a pretty good, cool thing to know is that if you can just get over your fear for like three years, you're going to be just fine in three years if you stick to it and you apply yourself and you stay focused. And like you mentioned, one of the biggest factors is patience. One of the other, other two factors that, in my opinion, are important is your willingness to step into the unknown. Because most of the time, yeah. we just want to step into the known where the light is. But if you take that step when there is no light, chances are there, you know, you're not going to fall. You're just going to walk straight to your destination. And the other thing that I see a lot of people failing doing is persistence. I think yeah. globally, we are in a culture that we try for some time and then just quit or, you know, because of course, back in the day, there were not many options. So you had to stick with what you did. But nowadays, just because everything is so easy and online and everything has so many options, whether it comes to people, um, I wouldn't say jobs, but like, you know, just opportunities, 
So yeah. people spend a fine or finite amount of energy, whether it's relationships, whether it's, you know, building a business or things. And when they have some backfalls, they aren't persistent enough to push through that. And, yeah. you know, as the story goes, if you're persistent enough, you will see the goal. Yeah. There's from you. Yeah. So, yeah. 100%, I'd man. like to say as well. Cool. Thank you yeah, so, totally so much for today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really, really appreciate all the great work that you've been doing, all the content that you've been putting. I have learned so many things from you on the podcast today. It's, it's been my pleasure to have you. And um, for anyone who wants to find you, what's the best way to people to get in touch with you? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, Instagram is where I'm the most active. So Instagram is at dannyvega.ms, D-A-N-N-Y-V-E-G-A.ms. And then our website is fatfueled.family. So the Fat Fueled Family podcast is there, coaching, consults, our blog, everything's on there. Awesome, awesome. And uh, for anyone of you who didn't catch that, don't worry. It's in my stories. It's going to be on my post. Uh, and you can in touch with Danny from there. And this is me, CJ Podcast. Everyone, have a great day ahead of you. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website www.shiftwithcj.com